0: Welcome to the Wordy Traveler podcast, where we discuss books, travel, and everything we all love. This podcast is brought to you by TheWordyTraveler.com. The Wordy Traveler is a community of readers who have a love for travel and a heart for giving back. To learn more about this seasonal book club that has been featured in Town & Country, Oprah, Condé Nast Traveler, Travel & Leisure, Reader's Digest, InStyle, Forbes, and USA Today, please visit TheWordyTraveler.com join us in helping to make the world a better place, one book at a time. Welcome everyone to Season 2 of the Wordy Traveler Podcast. This is the very first episode of Season 2 and this is Brian Nichols and I am here in the studio with the founder of the Wordy Traveler, which, as everyone hopefully knows from Season 1, is also happens to be my wife and literally best friend in the entire world, Cindy Nichols. And uh, I'm very excited about this particular episode, but to be honest, I'm very excited about the entire uh, Season 2 lineup that we already have coming your way. Uh, Just to give you a quick preview in Season 2, you're going to be hearing from some brand new authors. Uh, We have some favorite authors coming back by request. We have some subscribers to the Wordy Traveler that you'll be hearing from, and much, much more. And in fact, there's some surprises that I don't even want to give away, so I'm not going to. But uh, suffice to say, season two, we've got quite a bit in store. So, uh, Cindy, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on season two?
1: Well, I've had such a fun time with all these interviews, interviewing authors. Um, By request, some people have asked us to re-interview some authors that we featured in season one, and it was like getting to know an old friend again. And even meeting some new friends recently when we were on our Wordy Traveler trip to Peru, uh, some of our Wordy Traveler subscribers who were on that trip were going to be interviewing. So it has just been a fun time meeting new friends and getting back in touch with old friends. But I am really excited about the first podcast because there is not a better time of the year for this one because I don't know where you live. I know we have people listening to our podcast all over the world. It is amazing when we bring up our statistics and we see pins from Asia to Europe to Africa, literally every continent in the world we have a listener. But where we're at in northeastern Ohio right now it is frigid cold and snowy and I don't know when the last time is we've seen the sun. But today's podcast is with one of the first authors that we featured in a Wordy Traveler subscription box. It was our third quarter of the first year we were in business and her name is Ann Vanderhoof. And to me, she lives the ultimate dream of her and her husband packing up and being able to get away and sail the Caribbean together. And I don't know about you, but right now in this cold and snow, that sounds amazing. And so in this podcast, we talked a little bit about how they did it. How did they make their dreams of travel come true? And maybe that's not your dream. Maybe it's to backpack around the world. But she gives some great tips on, you know, what, whatever your travel dream is, some practical ways to achieve it. The other thing we talk about, which is, Number one in my book, which is food, and in Ann Vanderhoof's book, she gives a lot of recipes, and we start talking about a lot of the different foods in the countries that she's been in, and she also gives some great recipes. So if you are a foodie, you are going to love this podcast.
0: Well, I couldn't agree more, and I will tell you, I absolutely loved this interview. Uh, there is so much in there. We're actually, This is actually going to today be part one of two. So uh, I think you'll enjoy it as well, but just so you know, this is part one of two. But uh, to be able to hear from Anne during this interview, I don't know if you've spent much time maybe traveling or visiting the Caribbean, or or maybe you have sailed like we have, but so much of what she talked about brought back, number one, memories, but number two, longing to get back <laughs> to the Caribbean. And uh, as Cindy mentioned, it's uh, it's anything but Caribbean weather right now in Northeast Ohio, So to just hear her speak about that was fantastic, but again, as Cindy mentioned, some of the things she talked about, the food, she even literally gives some recipes right over the podcast as well. So uh, be prepared for not only a fantastic interview, so many interesting insights from Anne. Uh, I will warn you, you might get hungry uh, towards the end of this particular interview as well as she begins talking about some of the different foods and some of the different fruits and things like that. But uh, man, we are absolutely in for a treat. So uh, this was a fantastic interview, Cindy, and I can't wait for everyone to be able to hear it. So with that, we will get right into Cindy's interview with Anne Vanderhoof.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Wordy Traveler podcast. And we are coming off of our summer hiatus. And I am so excited for this one to be our first one back because... Uh, Anne Vanderhoof and her book, An Embarrassment in Mangoes, is literally, you can't see this, uh, but I have the book in front of me right now. And it is dog-eared and earmarked and beat up because this is one of my favorite travel books of all time. And I, this, today is the first day I am meeting Anne, but we actually now have a mutual friend by the name of Pat, who's kind of helped mentoring me with the Wordy Traveler. And Pat goes, do you know Uh, an author by the name of Anne Vanderhoof. And I'm like, do I know Anne? I love her books. And Pat goes, well, we happen to be friends in the sailing community. Our boats are both uh, in Trinidad together. Uh, And I said, would you think she'd want to talk to me? Because I'd love to talk to her. And she goes, well, let me email her. And this is the result of that six degrees of separation. So thank you, Anne, for coming today. It's my pleasure.
2: It's great to meet you, finally.
1: It is. And I just, for all of you who maybe aren't familiar with her, with Anne and her books, we're, I'm talking about one book, but she has multiple books. But I just want to give everyone a quick bio. Anne Vanderhoof is a writer and magazine and book editor whose work has appeared in publications in the United States and Canada. She was the founding editor of the award-winning Canadian magazine, Cottage Life, and is also the senior editor of Ports Cruising Guides, a series of guidebooks for boaters. I also have a couple of those on my shelf. She lives with her husband, Steve, in Toronto, and they are the owners of Resetta, Reseda, Uh, their boat, that they uh, have sailed the Caribbean and um, the ICW and uh, the St. Lawrence. So welcome, Anne. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you. It's great to be here. So let's talk. We were having a great conversation before we pressed record. Unfortunately, I'm like, oh, we should be recording this. But for those who maybe are kind of unfamiliar uh, with your career and your books, um, obviously you have uh, had a career and still have a career in kind of the obviously the publishing industry. But then you and your husband kind of decided to pursue a dream you had of sailing. Can you talk a little bit about your journey? Sure. Sure. Um, we were both very
2: involved in the publishing business, and it is an extremely deadline-driven business. And it got to the point where um, Steve, Steve, when I met him, was already into sailing, and I kind of came, began to began to come along for the ride, but purely a fair weather sailor. Mm-hmm. And uh, it got to the point where we found that our oh, and Steve and I worked. on both of our major projects, Cottage Life and Ports Cruising Guys then, um, together. I was the editor, he was the art director. And it got to the point where work had kind of taken over our lives. And we, you know, we were kind of, you know, every day our lives went there was never enough time in the day, work dominated everything, and those deadlines. And you know, I, I used to joke with people, I even need to set a deadline to brush my teeth. It got very bad. Mm-hmm. And one night, it was a snowy night in Toronto. I came home after a long day where everything had gone pretty wrong, including my Um, encounters with the art director who was Steve who I was coming home to and he as I was starting a rant he said listen you know the office is closed but really why don't we just set a plan to sail away and I laughed but that was the start of it and we started a five-year plan to be able to save the money to take a two-year break in the middle of our lives we um the business we were in, we couldn't take sabbaticals. Essentially, we I quit my job and we bought Rosetta. She wasn't Rosetta when we bought her, but we named her Rosetta, um, which means recipe in Spanish. And we told people it was because she has all the right ingredients for us, but it was more than that. We both love to eat, love to try, especially when we travel, try new foods, new cuisines, and love to cook. So anyway, the five-year plan along the way, I still wasn't convinced. I'd never sailed at night. I knew you'd have to do that to get to the Caribbean. I had never never piloted the boat by myself, which I knew I'd have to do if we were on a longer passage. I suffered from seasickness, so I wasn't the ideal candidate. But as the time began to get closer, uh, both of us were saying to each other, I'd rather take the risk of, you know, giving up a steady paycheck, a job that was a great job and going sailing now than in 10, 15 years, you know, saying, OK, we'll wait. We'll wait a while. We'll wait a while. And 10, 15 years down the road, find ourselves saying we wish we'd done it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, for whatever reasons, health, family, whatever, we could no longer do it. So that's the rather long, short form of it.
1: And I love that. And, you know, your book, uh, the book we're talking about today and Embarrassment and Mangoes, but there are others. um, You kind of start that journey from the beginning and through those those years. And obviously you start off with the dream and talking about it and your situation and then and then uh, finding Rosetta, and then uh, really going from Toronto through the St. Lawrence and then down the East Coast, which uh, for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with the, the terms of waterways, but a lot of, that's called the ICW, going down the East Coast, uh, and then to into the Caribbean, which is famously called the Thorny Path, because it's, uh, as our one friend goes, it has a bit of naughty passages in it. He's <laughs> he goes, you are naughty when you're, when you're on the passage, and I always think, that's not the word I would use, but okay, <laughs> would use something a bit stronger than naughty. But um, any one of those sailing, any one of those for many people is number one a dream, but a huge accomplishment because they all come with different challenges. Especially if at the beginning, when you talk about being an uncomfortable sailor, even me with some sailing experience, I'm with you. I'm like I. Uh, you know, very uncomfortable thinking about having to navigate some of that. But what were some of your thoughts going into it? And then what were some of the lessons you learned from accomplishing some of those things that a lot of people are hesitant to do?
2: Well, I guess, you know, going into it, again, the drive became that feeling that we wanted to make a change in our lives and we wanted to have this adventure that we love to travel and that this was this was a way to do it in the you know over a longer stretch and I guess I I was very fearful of the sailing side but you know you're thrown into it you learn together as you go you make mistakes which were I mean you know things that Um, tides for instance were completely new to us we all our sailing is on lake ontario freshwater lake and all of a sudden we had to calculate the tides and you know there would be the odd morning when we were on the inland waterway the icw where um, we had miscalculated and we'd wake up to make an early start and the boat's like literally sitting in the mud bottom and we had to wait till the tide rose a little bit but you learn those things and with the learning the confidence grew Mm -hmm. never to never to the extent that you know i certainly never became um i still wouldn't call myself confident in it but you you know completely confident but you become confident in the day-to-day routines and i think one of the things that really worked for Steve and me is that we had worked we had a professional relationship we had worked together in business for a long time and therefore we could run the boat in in not uh, not an emotional way although sometimes that happened but in a a business-like way where you knew this was your job you knew this had to be done you knew if some if Steve said you need to do this now. You didn't ask why, because I could come after, because on a boat, if it has to be done now, it's, there's probably an excellent reason for it. So we were able to kind of navigate those emotional um, waters in a, you know, kind of a, a, a way that we had some experience because of the business relationship. So I don't know if that kind of gets at the start of it. And then obviously the journey takes on, a um you know it takes on its own life and it, there there's so many wonderful moments that you begin to focus on those and you know that horrible passage is indeed horrible while you're in the middle of it i was i was as i was telling you before we started uh, started taping you know there was a night coming back from puerto rico to the dominican republic where we picked up a net on our propeller and the next morning, Steve had to go overboard, essentially in the middle of the ocean, to find out what was going on and cut it off. Of course, he was tied to the boat, or streaming lines out back in case he got swept away, um, and it worked out fine, but um, that was horrible at the time, really frightening, but then it's over, and you're focusing on the people, the food, the cultural experiences, what you're doing, and that that just keeps it going and it it gets into you and um you know when it came time to turn around from the two year journey we had only set aside part of two years for ourselves to go away when it came time to turn around and start heading north we both knew it was too soon yeah. we both really found it difficult and we knew immediately we needed to do it again yeah. and so we, we did six years later, we did leave again at a, at a different stage in our lives. So, yeah.
1: Oh, wonderful. And that's one of the things um, I highly encourage. And we will have this book back for sale on our website, um, the wordytraveler.com. But, you know, this book is so much more than a sailing book or I mean, it has everything. It has relationships working together. It has Obviously, the sailing aspect, uh, really inspirational aspect of going after your dreams, but also just really rich um, stories about the people and places in the Caribbean and some of the islands that, you know, a lot of times are maybe off the traditional touristy locales um and it also has really incredible recipes and i have actually cooked your cracked conch many times out of Ah. his cracked conch is my husband and i's favorite dish we actually like conch in a bag where you put it in the bag with the french fries and then you just dump hot sauce all over it um and last night when I was rereading this book for the umpteenth time, I'm like, oh, yeah, her spiced ginger cake. I've been meaning to make that forever. <laughs> so I think I'm going to try that one this weekend. But uh, I just it is it just has a little bit of everything for everyone. But talking about uh, the places you visited, and I loved how you opened up with one of our favorite island chains that we've been to, which is Grenada and the St. Vincent's and Grenadines. because mm-hmm. they Yeah. Are- And you really just talk so well about the islands and the people of the islands, and you do such a good job describing that island and um, those islands. But, you know, especially being on the East Coast, and I'm sure being in Toronto, you kind of feel the same way. You know, the Caribbean for a lot of us is very easy to get to, but it's kind of the same islands. It's like, you know, Nassau. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're some people are a bit more adventurous and go into like the BVIs, obviously the USVIs here in America are huge, but there are so much more to the Caribbean, you know, Aruba is a big hot spot in the Caymans, but there's so many more islands and so many um different feels they all feel a little bit different, even though they're kind of lumped into that region. What do you feel that are some of the misconceptions about the Caribbean and the islands that make it up, or maybe even some places that you think that are kind of overlooked, but are just really beautiful gems?
2: Right. Okay. That's a, that, that's a great question because you're right. Everybody, you know, in Canada, the Dominican Republic is one spot. The, um, the Bahamas, for sure, because they're close and there's regular flights. I was amazed when I kind of recently flipped back through the book and I saw that I said we, we actually dropped anchor at 47 different islands and some of them are, are difficult to get to unless you're going by boat. Mm-hmm. Um, the island of Dominica, for instance, which is um, north of Martinique, it's sandwiched between Martinique and Guadeloupe, which are two French islands, which are also wonderful, but you know, they're not on their usual path. Um, Dominica is, it's a green, lush island. I mean, I think if you've been to the Bahamas, we all think white sandy beaches, but these islands have so much more as you begin to explore for hiking, um, for just traveling around. And the, the joy of doing it on a boat, of course, is that you know, your living quarters are traveling with you and your kitchen's traveling with you. And so when you do drop the anchor someplace, you can't just go to the beach. And, you know, people people had this misconception when we told them what we were doing and they were picturing us this whole time kind of lying on white sand beaches and with umbrella drinks. And no, you have to figure out where you're going to buy food, where you're going to buy Buy or acquire fresh water because when we first went south on our boat we didn't have a desalinator Mm -hmm. to turn seawater into fresh water so we had to figure out okay is there a pipe somewhere where we buy or get water um propane to run our stoves um all of that and what you do what the you know what the kind of the regulations are for checking in so immediately you're thrown into the island In a very different way and what we found is that you know going to the mar, the local markets and really was what opened was the first crack into the island because you begin to see what's growing there people are so willing to if you open yourself to it people are so willing to you know i find something that i i didn't know what this fruit or vegetable was and They would say, um, I would say, so what do you do with this? How do you make this for your family? And the market vendor would start. And then another customer, a local customer would be coming by. And she said, no, 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 this is what you do. And I'd go away with all these ideas. But um, so the food became our entry point. And that is something that no matter how you're traveling to the islands or where you're going, that you can use that nothing stops you from going to the market you know with some local small local bills or change and just you know buying some fruit and asking questions and you kind of can figure out what's going on and begin to and learn other things people might say something often said something like well if you walk up the hill here stop at my house and i'll show you this or that and so um that's kind of the long way around so i think the first misconception is that the islands are the beach, you know, everyone is. If you're traveling, you're thinking the beaches, the resorts, the white sand, all of that. But there's this interior that is so much different, and there's so much culture going on. An island like Trinidad, when um, which is where we currently keep Rosetta when we're not sailing her, um, has an amazing. Um, Culinary and cultural music, in particular, um, a history, and it, it just flourishes there. And it's why we find it so hard when we arrive to Trinidad to get the boat ready to sail to get away quickly because there's, you know, Trinidad is the home of, of pan music, steel drum music. It too has incredible hiking. Uh, and I think a lot of people. Don't it's not on the radar for people coming from North America as a place to go for a Caribbean vacation because tourism is not the prime driver there, it's not an economic driver. Trinidad made its money in gas and oil, and they weren't too concerned about tourism, which is a shame because it's just wonderful. But that whenever we have guests come visit us, they're blown away by the richness of all aspects of the country, including the food, which is an amalgam of all the different um, of, of its history of people who've settled there.
1: Well, you talked about my next question, which is uh, if you had any hints on even if you're not sailing but you're just going to an island, some ways that you can experience the island more deeply. So. Um, But talking about part of that experience, which you recommended, uh, which is going to the local markets and really talking about the different fruits and vegetables. I remember when we went to Grenada the first time and maybe you can help remind me because I'm not as good. And I have this question later about journaling, but I remember trying this little fruit and I want to say the man told me it was a cashew fruit, but it was little red and it tasted like rose water. Yes, yes. Um, there are a couple of names for that, and you're
2: going to leave me <laughs> scrambling in my brain to find them, but yes, it is a cashew fruit, and um, there are a couple of variants on it, and um, they do have that, it's, it, but it's that, that yes, that very floral, but yeah. also there's that kind of refreshing acid, yeah. um, tastes very refreshing because there's a lot of water in them. Yeah. Um,
1: we ate and that was... by the bag folks when we were down there, we just, I bought a huge, I bought a couple from one vendor one day and then we went to the market there in St. George. And then I bought a huge bag of it. Uh, and of course all the spices. And then we went, we, I laughed because the fish place and just seeing the fish on the tables. Yeah. Nobody had their hand cut off while we were there. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> you have to read the book. Very interesting story. <laughs> but, um, you know, what are some of the foods you love? And, you know, obviously food, some people are more adventurous eaters and some people aren't. But what are the some of the things that you've fallen in love with? And uh, maybe, you know, as people are traveling through the islands, uh, some things that you say, hey, you should try this. You should.
2: <laughs> I, this That's almost a question where I barely know what to start. I've <laughs> fallen in love with so much. Um, and it depends which island you're on. And I think the general point here first is um, figure out if there are any local specialties. And how do you do that if you're, you know, if you're not on a boat? And, uh, but even if you're in a resort or a hotel, um, you know, make sure you, you, if it's a resort complex, find some local places to visit. Go into the town. Um, ask what you should order. That's local. One of the things we fell in love with, um, very specific to Trinidad, and I'll describe it because it's got the ingredient that I fell in love love with, is Sahina. And Sahina uses a green called Callaloo. Um, And I love Callaloo in almost every form. Um, It's kind of like spinach but you know it doesn't really taste like spinach, but you could substitute spinach in a Callaloo recipe. Um, you can cook it with coconut milk and use it as a side dish. Most famous is Callaloo soup and versions of Callaloo soup turn up on a lot of the Caribbean islands. They're all a little bit different. Some people might put a little evaporated milk in it. Some people serve it with crab as a, as a garnish part of it. Some it's pure vegetarian. And, i barely met a Callaloo soup that I don't adore, but that same vegetable in Sahin and it's bushy. It's like you buy, in, in fact, in Trinidad, it's called dasheen bush because the root of the calaloo plant is the root vegetable dasheen, which is very starchy and is, bo- and, it, and is boiled and is used as also as a, what they call provision part of a. Uh, provision because it's a filling, starchy, potato-like, but not really vegetable. But the Sahina, getting back to that, takes the long, the big callaloo leaves, which you know look like elephant ears sometimes are so enormous. The callaloo leaves smears them with a paste of, um, made with chickpea flour, rolls it up like a gigantic cigar slices it and then deep fries these slices and then they're served with maybe a little mango chutney Mm. or a cucumber relish and as much pepper hot pepper sauce as you can bear and that is something i fell for big time um and it's one of the first things when we get back to trinidad i try to get get one from my favorite place but in terms of um i think the title of my book tells you something else that was a revelation to me and that's the mangoes yeah. when we first got to Grenada it was mango season which is basically in the summer although there were always out of season mangoes you know showing up just not in the profusion and you know living in toronto you go to the market and you might find one or at most two types of mangoes two varieties and you'd have to patiently set them aside to let them ripen for days and days and days. And here you go to the market and in Grenada. and They were just, every table had piles of them and they're all different. And I'd be asking the names and trying to figure them out and taste them all. And I fell hard for mangoes. And um, one of the recipes and embarrassment of mangoes is I, You know, back home, I would make a summer fruit crisp with berries or apples. But now that I'm in the Caribbean, I'm going to make turn it into a mango crisp. And that's still one of my one of my favorites. Um, And again, a Trinidad recipe for using often because the fruit's so wonderful, you can use it at different stages of ripeness. They use a slightly underripe mango to make something called a chow. And what it is, it's the easiest thing, and you can um, replicate it in North America using slightly underripe peaches, for instance. But you, all you take is you slice the fruit, salt, lime juice, chopped hot pepper, again, to taste. What have I left out? I think I've got it all. Oh, and an herb called Shadow Benny, which is a cousin to cilantro. Mm-hmm. So you could use chopped cilantro. Just shake it up, stir it up, um, let it sit, and then you know, toothpick or finger. It's also great with pineapple, and it's so refreshing because it's it it's it's that combination of sweet and hot and salty and limey, acidy and refreshing. Wonderful. Ah, oh,
1: that sounds wonderful.
0: Wow, what a great interview. As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, that was part one of Cindy's interview with Anne Vanderhoof. Our next episode will feature part two. We'll learn more about Anne, the people and places she's visited, as well as the tight-knit cruising community. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe to the Wordy Traveler podcast on your favorite platform. Each and every episode, we discuss books, travel, and everything we all love. To learn more about the Wordy Traveler, please visit thewordytraveler.com. And consider joining a community of readers who have a love for travel and a heart for giving back. We invite you to join us in helping to make the world a better place, one book at a time. We look forward to being with you again soon on our next episode of the Warty Traveler podcast.